Welcome to the Creative Pen Podcast. I'm Joanna Penn, thriller author and creative entrepreneur, bringing you interviews, inspiration and information on writing, publishing options and marketing ideas for your book. You can find the episode show notes, your free author blueprint and lots more information at thecreativepen.com and that's pen with a double N. And here's the show. Hello creatives, I'm Joanna Penn and this is episode number 677 of the podcast and it is Sunday the 26th of February 2023 as I record this and it's almost March which is scary. (laughs) So in today's show I'm talking to poet and inspirational author Pierre Gentil about how he runs his seven-figure business by selling direct on Shopify. You'll also learn about a mistake that I have made. I kind of knew I'd made and I still haven't decided what to do about it. But Pierre does help me with that. And hopefully it saves you from making the same mistake. So that's coming up in the interview section. In publishing and book marketing news, well, the Alliance of Independent Authors is doing an income survey to try and shed some more light on author incomes. The survey is aimed at self-published authors who spend more than 50% of their time on writing and publishing. And it's pretty short, so you can do it quickly. And we really do need more data in this area. So please go to selfpublishingadvice.org forward slash survey 23. And as ever, links in the show notes. I have done mine. (laughs) There's also a good article on Writer Unboxed by the wonderful Victoria Strauss, who runs the Writer Beware blog, with clauses to watch out for if you're signing a publishing contract. Now, absolutely sign publishing contracts, but only if you know what you're doing. And this is really important. I feel like so many authors just sign things because they're thinking about what's happening right that moment. But if you think ahead, these copyright um, clauses particularly can be difficult. For example, you've heard me say a million times, don't sign clauses for all formats existing now and to be invented for the term of copyright, which is just, you know, after you die. But what about other things and what should you ask instead? So this particular uh, article is really good. Uh, And of course, this is just as valid for translation deals, subsidiary rights like audio, film, TV. um, And of course, if you want to sign your ebook and print in English or whatever your first language is, again, watch out for these clauses. So some of the things include copyright transfer in the grant of rights, claiming copyright on edits, net profit royalties, early termination fees and life of copyright grant without adequate reversion, which also kind of um, feeds into what I mentioned. So I think that this will become more and more important as we move into whatever the next phase of the internet looks like. For example, if we do If we start using headsets or we start using overlay, AR, VR type stuff, what is going to be the format of the metaverse? This is what I keep talking about. Also, with a lot of the AI stuff that's going around, the um, what I've talked about before with NFTs and blockchain for uh, provision of you know some uh, some kind of copyright register, which I talked about last year, um, that 
may come in come to the fore as well so nft rights for example lots of things to watch out for and i've covered a lot of this uh, go to the creativepen.com forward slash future if you want the backlist articles on that but what you've got to remember with writing i mean this is the thing if you're doing this as a business the writing craft is just one side of it and the business is a whole other side and you have to be interested in the business whether you're not you want an agent and a publishing deal or everything else if you want to be successful as an author then understanding things like copyright clauses and terms in a contract is important so yeah that's on writer unboxed again links in the show notes and writerbeware.blog is where you can find out about a lot of the difficult things that go on in the industry So talking about copyright, one of the AI image copyright cases has been settled, or at least the first round has been, uh, in that there is now a copyright registration for a comic, Zariah of the Dawn, where the author was uh, originally denied any copyright, but now has the copyright for the text and the whole work as a compilation, but not for the images which are created on mid-journey. Now, there's a really interesting article about it, a legal article on processmechanics.com, which I'll link to, basically saying this is a mixed decision from the US Copyright Office. And uh, as I've said before and written in my blog post with a, about With a Demon's Eye, I am considering my own AI images to be creative commons. So you could use my images from Midjourney, but why would you since you can generate your own? And copyright in general is going to be an interesting thing in the coming years. But What's interesting about this blog is they they go into the details on this copyright ruling and they say, if the office is preparing guidance to allow registration of AI-assisted works, that strongly suggests the Copyright Office believes there is some threshold of human involvement that is sufficient to allow registration. And this is what I talked about in the last show, in my introduction to Tim Boucher's interview about the tsunami of AI-generated crap. (laughs) If it's 100% AI, I mean, or 99% AI, then at the moment, it will probably be crap. Um, And then there's 100% human, which also could be amazing, or it can be crap. We're all creating somewhere along that continuum. What needs to be ruled on is where that percentage sits. So for example, if something is 100%, 90%, 80%, 70%, whatever, generated by AI, there is no copyright, but if it's a 70% human, then it is. Um, the blog, but interestingly, and I'm not saying that is the line, a lot of people would utterly disagree with me. So that's just a thought, <laughs> one option. Uh, the blog post says the legal standard is whether there is a modicum of creativity. Modicum meaning a, a very small amount. <laughs> Not whether Chris, the artist who created the comic, could predict what Midjourney would create ahead of time. And they say the office incorrectly focused on the output of the tool rather than the input from the human. So that's interesting too. So instead of saying, oh, well, this is 70% AI, so it's not copyright, it should be the other way around, which is this is 30% human, so it should be copyright. So really, really interesting stuff going on right now. Uh, But this also makes it very clear that things are changing. So originally, the Copyright Office said you can't have any. Now they've said you can have partial. So uh, over time, this is going to change, no doubt. 
And if you'd like more discussion on AI with for writing in particular, check out the latest self-publishing show, episode 373, where James Blatch interviews Elizabeth Ann West. And it is, it's a really weird interview because most of it is the two, the first two thirds are about Jane Austen. <laughs> and writing uh, books uh, around Jane Austen. And then it moves into AI, which is a kind of strange juxtaposition, but also brilliant because it shows you that you can be writing whatever genre and this is interesting. Uh, But around two thirds in, Elizabeth explains how she uses PseudoWrite and gives some really great accessible tips. So if you're confused and you want to have a go, have a a listen to that. And I also have a tutorial on how I use PseudoWrite links in the show notes as ever, or that is also on thecreativepen.com forward slash future. In my personal update, well, as this goes out, I'll be signing all my pilgrimage hardbacks at Book Vault's printing plant in Peterborough in the UK. I will share some photos on Twitter at The Creative Pen and on Facebook and Instagram at JF Pen Author. And uh, I'm I'm really excited about going. I'm excited about getting the hardbacks out. Uploading the orders this week was terrifying. Last weekend, we did the spreadsheets. You get a spreadsheet out of Kickstarter. And then you uh, basically, I had to format that for Book Vault to upload. And then I did all kind of spot checks. And it looks like it it has worked. And several people have now tweeted me that some of those unsigned books are now arriving, certainly in the UK. If you're outside the UK, they might take a bit longer. Um, But yes, so after this week, the well, this week, the signed books will go in the post. So that will be exciting. And also more exciting, perhaps, is Kickstarter paid me, <laughs> which is so good. And I know, I knew they would pay me, but there was a little bit of nerves, really, because I have to pay the printer at the end of the month, which of course is this week. And it's quite a big bill, let's say that. I've never actually had to pay a big printing bill like this before, because I've always just done sort of individual print on demand, or I've bought, you know, a box of books from Ingram or whatever. But this is, this is thousands of pounds. So this is why Kickstarter is an interesting model, because you get the money and then you pay for the printing. And of course, I'm trying to do this a lot faster than a lot of people fulfill their Kickstarters. But I, I really want to um, get it done, because I literally can't focus on anything else until I finish this. And it's funny because there are two big things I want to get into this year, as well as write books and do the podcast, which is I I really want to get back into writing with AI because things change every single day right now. And it's so exciting. And I listened to someone like I listened to that interview with Elizabeth Ann West. And I'm like, right, I need to try that. I want to try that tip. And I just don't have the time because I'm trying to do all this other stuff. Uh, I also want to sort out my Shopify store, which you will hear in uh, in the interview with Pierre. There's a lot I need to improve. But also, I think Um, you'll hear basically he says I should split my store into fiction and non-fiction uh, and that just seems like a huge deal (laughs) so but he also also mentions landing page landing page software so I may end up using landing pages and do things differently I'm still trying to decide what to do basically I need time to sort of step back and think strategically Uh, it's, it's the difficulty between taking a high level view of your business, making strategic decisions, then like jumping into the weeds and trying to make the decisions and then jumping over this way to be creative and think about the books I want to write and then jumping this way to think about, you know, money and all of this. So 
it is a challenge being an author entrepreneur, but hey, I don't want to be doing anything else, which is which is good. I just I also have to do the writing setting course, so hopefully I'll do finish that in the next two weeks probably. Uh, yeah, so almost, almost, so mid-March, I should actually be into whatever I'm going to be doing next, which is good. If you back the Kickstarter, you should have your ebook, audiobook, PDF workbook, and also the backer extras, the Q&A recording, and the notes on writing a travel memoir. All the digital stuff was delivered a couple of weeks ago now, and I delivered that writing a travel memoir this week and last week. And also then, uh, if you don't have it, check the Kickstarter page or your email. I also still have like six people who I just cannot get hold of for their addresses for the print books. So... Um, yeah, if you didn't fill in the survey or uh, I please check your Kickstarter email. If you haven't been getting emails and some people haven't from Kickstarter, then please uh, go into your spam and have a look or, or check the Kickstarter project page where there are all the updates where you'll be able to contact me. But yes, this is this is one of the issues with the Kickstarter campaign is there are inevitably a certain number of people you who back and then almost like they disappear. <laughs> <laughs> so there we go. Right. So thanks for all your emails and tweets and comments on Martha's interview. Uh, I loved. Oh, Angel Domingos says, I love this interview. Martha has an amazing attitude. Very inspiring. And tomorrow kiddo uh, on YouTube said, this is exactly the content I wanted to hear right now. Thank you for all you do. So yeah, Martha Carr talking about, I guess, um, it's never too late and how she's getting into Kickstarter and changing business models and all that. Uh, Peter Helton sent me a lovely picture on Twitter, uh, this sm- a smiling Peter holding his book. And he said, thanks for all the education and motivation. Finally got my first book out. And what's so lovely uh, is that this picture of um, Peter holding his book, I recognise the pride in that smile. It's the one we all get when we hold our book in our hands and we say, I made this. Uh, like I am with this pilgrimage book, I'm going to be signing them all uh, tomorrow or today as this goes out kind of going I made this I'm so happy I made this and that's what I see in Peter's smile so thank you Peter and uh, also Anitha left a comment on the last episode saying uh, it was after listening to your podcast I tried ChatGPT. It's been such a great tool to play with. Thank you for approaching AI with curiosity and a sense of empowerment. You have inspired me to adopt the same attitudes and consequently, far from feeling threatened, it's been exciting to witness all these changes happening. Listening to you over the years has really helped me develop a positive mindset in this indie publishing journey. Thank you, Anitha, and thank you to everyone who sent me positive comments. <laughs> I really appreciate it remember you can tweet me at the creative pen send me pictures of where you're listening or you with your books or you with my books i appreciate those too or email me joanna at thecreativepen.com leave a comment on the blog or the youtube channel i love to hear from you it makes this more of a conversation so today's show is sponsored by Pro Writing Aid, because however you choose to publish, whether you go direct to readers, whether you go indie, or if you want a traditional publishing deal, you need to make your book the best it can be. I use Pro Writing Aid multiple times in my creative process, once after the full draft is finished, before I print it for hand edits, and then again before I send it to my editor, and if it's a short story or something, I'll use it again before publishing. 
It is one of my absolute must-use tools in my writing process. So why use software to help you? Why don't you just learn all the grammar and writing rules and apply them yourself? Well, we all use tools to improve our process, and we are also often blind to our own writing issues. It helps to have another pair of eyes, even if the eyes are software. ProWritingAid knows all the rules and helps you apply them. And of course, you can choose not to make the changes as you like. And I guess I tend to do about 80% of the changes that ProWritingAid suggests. It can help with making your writing more active, finding repeated words, finding words you could improve, sentence structure, grammar, punctuation issues, typos, spacing and more. It integrates with all the usual word processing tools and importantly for many of us, it integrates with Scrivener and that's how I use it. I open ProWritingAid on my computer and then I open the Scrivener project and work through each chapter. I learn something every time and there are a load of reports to help improve your writing in multiple ways. So won't an editor do all this? Either an editor you hire or an editor or an agent or an editor at a publishing house. Well, yes, they can do, but I would rather pay an editor or if you're sending, if you're submitting to an agent or a publisher, you need to fix the things up front before it goes in. Now, I'd rather pay my editor editor to fix the things that the software can't. As brilliant as ProWritingAid is, it cannot read the manuscript as a whole or comment on the bigger issues like character development, inconsistencies, plot holes, structural difficulties. So I use ProWritingAid as my essential editing tool before sending to my human editor. You can check out the free edition or get 25% off the premium edition by using my link prowritingaid.com forward slash Joanna, J-O-A-N-N-A, prowritingaid.com forward slash Joanna. So this type of corporate sponsorship pays for the hosting, transcription and editing. But my time, as ever, is sponsored by my patrons and uh, they especially support the in-between episodes like the recent one on the tsunami of crap. I'm especially grateful to those patrons who've supported the show for years uh, and months and uh, it demonstrates you find the show useful and want it to continue. Even after all these years, we are still going. And what's interesting is when I do these uh, extra shows, I get a load of people who drop off and then a whole load of new patrons. So thank you to all the new patrons this week. Tracy Martin, James S. Rogers, Nuria Shikoti or Chicote. Alexandra Marshalski, Jamie Orr, Cherry Hood, Greg Patton, Cara Michelle Lashley and Roselle Sharla. I really appreciate your support. And if you do uh, support the show on Patreon, you get my extra monthly Q&A for patrons only, which I answer questions on writing craft, publishing, book marketing, making money writing, and of course, AI and technical things. I also share early access, discount codes, behind the scenes info and more. You can support the show with a few dollars or pounds or euros or many, many currencies and you'll get that extra monthly Q&A audio, including the entire backlist of QA, Q&As. <laughs> you can support the show at patreon.com, p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash the creative pen. Right, let's get into the interview. Pierre Gentil is a poet and inspirational author, publisher and entrepreneur. He specializes in selling through Shopify and teaches authors his methods through sevenfigurebookbusiness.com, which I can highly recommend and I'm personally going through at the moment. So welcome, Pierre. 
Thank you. Thank you for having me, Joanna. Oh, I'm so excited to talk to you. But first up, tell us a bit more about you and how you got into writing. That is an interesting story. So as an immigrant in the U.S., I came here in 2000. And after entering the state, I've worked my way into going to college and in college, one of the things that I've seen to be more interested in was um, the language itself, but into write poetry and diving into social media. Though at that time, it was MySpace. So since then, I've had a hunger to actually play with words and use poetry. To where I could say, in around 2011, 2010, around that time when I was building out Twitter and and becoming a Twitter influencer. And I started writing more inspirational content that I felt would help people. And from there on, that's where I started with a book. And the rest is history. <laughs> the rest is history that people don't know. So you're going to have to take us on a bit from 2011. So that's more than a decade ago. So you put out your first poetry book. And look, I mean, people in the community even now would say you write a poetry book and nothing's going to happen. Right. I mean, maybe you could be an Insta poet yes. or whatever. But how did you then take that forward from one poetry book over a decade ago to where you are now? Like, just give us some of the highlights. Okay, so one thing just to be clear, my first book did not get published until 2014. So 2011, I was thinking about the poetry book, but I had almost no direction. So it was no guidance whatsoever. So what I did instead is continue to build my influence to where in 2011, I founded a, a brand named Gentlemanhood, which the whole focus was to, to help men, well, write content for men to help them express themselves and be better in relationships because men tend to be, you know, not as vocal. Well, now we have that happening, it seems. But that was an issue then. So in 2014, after having a successful blog, it was gentlemanhood.com. And it was mostly me writing about men and relationship, but different writers who joined me. My audience actually started requesting that I put a book out. And my first book, it was more pretty much structured however I wanted it to be. So it was me just having poems on one side and on the other side expressing, uh, detailing kind of like the situation, what happened throughout that time, what sparked the poem and so forth. And I wrote it in a way that I feel like my audience, I felt like my audience would receive it. And in 2014, it was December 10th, 2014, uh, I published my first book, Unspoken Feelings of a Gentleman. And with the audience receiving it well, and that was my first introduction to, to direct sale, to be honest, because I did not understand Create Space. Amazon KDP did not necessarily exist for print. So I created a WooCommerce shop, which was our old website, gentlemanhood.com. And that's when that's what I used to publish my first book, where we had pre-sales through email and we had a direct relationship, let's say, with the readers and the buyers. And from there on, 2011, I think it was mid-2000, I'm sorry, 2014, then mid-2015, I decided to, after going on tour, uh, to, I have to mention that, but after going on my first tour, a lot of uh, this book was for men, but a lot of women were reading it. So they requested that I do something for women. And I said, I've never been a woman, but I can <laughs> express the things that I've learned. And I wrote a poetry book titled To the Women I Once Loved, 
published it in 2015, September, around that time. And right after that, I pretty much took a pause. But what really got me into, uh, well, becoming known in the poetry world and so forth, it was 2016. I spent the entire year trying to write Unspoken Feelings too, And I finished it in December. But right after that, I felt the urge to write like a smaller, um, a smaller book. First, it would be more receptive on Facebook because then Facebook had being a marketer first. Facebook had this issue with the text rule. So my poems, I decided to condense them, make them a bit smaller. And a lot of the, uh, the new audience I was creating growing wanted that. And there I launched my first successful poetry book, which is um, Her. And since then, I've been n- almost nonstop, not as much as nonstop and like fiction authors who tend to write countless words and publish a bunch of books consistently more than enough in in a six-month period but i i stayed with the concept of publishing at least two books a year and i think that well there's many things i love about what you've done but i think it's like you go against so many of the i want to call them the myths of indie you know back in the day or well, there still are myths of traditional publishing and the myths of indie have now grown up that you can't be successful as a poet you can't be <laughs> successful unless you write a book a month you can't be successful if you don't focus on amazon so you've kind of gone against all these different things and yet i also love that you i mean i've looked at your poetry and I love that you're both a poet and a marketer. So how do you feel like for people listening who are like, I'm a poet or I'm a literary fiction author or I'm someone who's not into marketing, which let's face it, is a lot of authors. Did you have to learn how to be a marketer as well as the creative side? Like how can people change their mindset around the marketing and the business as well as the creativity? I think one of the main thing is to really, I guess the best way is to, look at the purpose of your product. And being that I'm a marketer and I'm doing direct sales, I always kind of refer to products and by products, I mean books. So what makes it so much easier for me to market my books is that I know my ideal reader very well and I know what they're looking for. So when it comes to marketing, my idea of it is I wrote this for you and I'm going to do whatever it takes to get it over to you. So then the marketing is no longer a task that is annoying or a task that I would outsource to someone else. It became for me to me a challenge to find out how am I going to reach my reader because I'm really passionate about getting it getting it over to my reader. And now I have to say this is that I've always been a marketer first because even though my book her is the most successful book that I've had. But my first book, Unspoken Feelings of a Gentleman, it climbed to the top thousands on Amazon. It's done well. A lot of celebrities actually had a few copies to where what I leveraged off of during that time was using influencer marketing. So I've always been fascinated with social media and getting extremely early, which allowed me to understand the behavior for marketing and to a point where when I had when I created my own product, I, I said my goal is to learn what is the best way to utilize every skill set that I've picked up um, up until that time, and and get it in front of the readers. So if you're having a trouble, 
I'm in trouble when it comes to bridging the two together, understand. I always ask this question, what good, not what good, some people may be offended by that, but think about your the effort that you've put behind creating an amazing book and you know who you want to read it. You know how you want them to make it, you want it to make them feel, how you want them to create, react and so forth. That's where now you have to take the extra step and said, well, I'm going to find those people because they exist and I wrote, wrote it for them. I love that. Yeah, you're very reader focused. But let's get into the direct sales because you mentioned WooCommerce that you got into earlier, but now you focus selling direct on Shopify. So why did you make that decision to go direct in general and why Shopify and what are the benefits for authors? So now why I went direct is a is a unique story of sales. So Starting 2017, when I released her, it's been successful um, and still successful. And with that came with me building a bunch of not partnerships, but dealing with different people to where I started being one of Ingram's top selling authors. I started getting requests in different bookstores in different countries to me having to build this as if I'm a traditional publisher, but building multiple relationships. And one of the relationships or, or transaction I said that happened for me in 2018 was that Target directly um, messaged me or inquired about putting our titles into their stores. And during that time, I had no way of making it happen, but I, I was doing extremely well with Ingram. And they were able to get in the middle and help deal um, take place. But with that came a few issues to where Target had to return 15,000 books out of the 40,000 oh. that they received. So for me, and I, I that, this is a part I haven't shared as much, but I want to make sure I get it across to, to those who are interested in this, is that pretty much I wasn't making okay money on Amazon, but it was taking too long. Especially they had, I think, switched to being 60-day payment cycle. And I've had I had all of these partnerships with Ingram and different retailers that were also taking a while to get to get income to us. So what essentially happened is that I had 15,000 books. I needed a place to put them and I could not figure it out. So that's when I started to dive into Shopify because I had a marketer friend of mine who was selling to via SAM card and I was as well throughout that time. And he started to say how well the ads were converting over to Shopify. That piqued my interest to me testing with my WooCommerce and seeing how much more robust and just the tech was just so much better with Shopify that I moved over to running my ads there. And from there, I had Ingram ship all of my books. I started from having it at our office, which was a smaller office throughout that time, to creating a room. I have I have the video in 20 books to creating a room in our office with all the supplies and everything else. So when the remaining, the first time it was the first round was we received about three to four thousand books of the return. But when the remaining came, we needed to find a storage. So that led to me figuring out how am I going to sell my books and picking Shopify. And also the motivation behind that had a lot to do with the fact that up until that time, I sold a lot of books. I was a bestseller. I've achieved everything, I would say, which were great accolades when it comes to, to being an author. 
And I was still dealing with the fact that I did not have enough of cash flow or income sitting because all of it kept being reinvested in us, you know, it's taking forever what it seems like to receive money. But um, not only that, the year before I had a book tour and although having over one point, uh, 1.2 million followers, I think throughout that time on Facebook and about 500,000 on Instagram, I could not get anyone to show up to my book tour. So we came to where, to this realization that not only were stuck with a bunch of books, but we did not have any customer data because there were people who, out of a small group of people who showed up to my book signings, they were still saying that, hey, some of us, we didn't see this until the day before. Like, we did not know this was happening. And I was posting on social media. Mm. So that led to where we are now, to where I decided to take control of my business. I decided to have a system that will pay me um, on a daily basis. And I decided to to build with the idea of longevity and also, I guess, when it comes to the customer data, having a relationship with my readers. So when something is happening in my business that, let's say, a book signing, we can have access to them. I love that. So just to recap, you said faster money, access to customer data, the control of the system, and that your ads convert really well with Shopify. And we're going to come back to some of these. Yes. (laughs) I mean, these are all just, these are all obvious things. Now, I feel like I've sold direct since day one. So so since 2008, I've used things like, you know, all the old things that we all used to do in in that time. But I've always had it as the last thing on my list. I've been like, (laughs) I'll try and sell on all these other places first. And then yes, I have a direct store, but it was always the last thing and what you've done and I guess Steve Piper and there's some other people who've been talking about this which is turning it upside down and selling direct first and then for sure put some stuff elsewhere but focus on your direct store first now because I follow you I did get one of your ads on Facebook which (laughs) says unpopular opinion self-publishing books on Amazon is a waste of time and money so I wonder could you comment on this flipping the business model to direct first but also should we still publish on Amazon, do you do that? And how can we change the order of our energy? Uh, I love that. Uh, whenever it was, I wrote it and also had a copywriter who helped us write some of our ads. One of the things of when I wrote this was that I wanted to really provoke people or get people to actually think outside the box right from the start. Because what is happening with this ad is that the exact response we were expecting is exactly what's happening. Some people are really who are loyal to Amazon. They're upset and they're like, oh my God, this is lying. This is a scam. What you're going to, you're going to hear period. But it's the other group of people where they're like, oh, there is a different way. There, There is something else outside of Amazon. Or is this something that can be done? There are those making a bold statement like that. There are those people who are going to be interested and look deeper. And once you go down the path of of research, probably this is where I've had more than enough people come to me and ask for help. Now, do we still use Amazon? Absolutely. One of the things that I'm big on is you prioritize your store but you never take everything else out. So even for me, when we are going to publish a book, we publish it on my website first and we send it to my email list first. But after that, after we make sure none of our direct audience is going, 
to Amazon. What we do is then later it becomes secondary. We add the books on Amazon. Now, after doing this for about four years or so, um, or going past four years, something around there, but we realized that no matter what we do, based on the marketing and everything, is mostly about 60, 50 to 60% of our sales come directly to the shop, to Shopify. The rest are still people who are loyal to Amazon, they're used to shopping on Amazon, um, to people still going to the other retailers and shopping there. But what's beautiful about this system is that you do not have to prioritize Amazon or any of these other channels to get sales there, which is the concept I'm trying to get across of that. Look, forget Amazon, focus on your shop. And if you market effectively, it's spill into everything else. Because like May 2020, I became a USA Today bestseller. I had no clue that that was happening. What I looked at was my Shopify dashboards, which that month it says um, it said that we sold 40,000 books. But the leftover from Amazon got me into the USA Today bestseller. We made a lot of money on Amazon and all the other areas. But I think authors are so loyal to Amazon and they don't realize that every time a transaction is made, Amazon gain a customer. Amazon gain data. Amazon just have a better relationship with the branding is, is strengthened, depending on the experience, obviously, versus if you say, I want to be in that position. And although I'm not going to get everyone, but if my focus is that, okay, I'm not competing against Amazon, but if I'm driving all my traffic to Amazon, I am hurting myself because long-term, you, sh- you really don't have anything. And that's where I was at to where after building for, you know, since 2014 up until 2018, I realized I had nothing. And I, I wouldn't say the time was necessarily wasted, but my energy and my investment did not, um, I did not get the best returns for it. And again, I find this so interesting because when I came into indie sort of 2007 and we're not amazon bashing for people who are feeling angry amazon has been amazing for authors but it's like mm-hmm. what's happening in the zeitgeist is you know back in 2007 it was traditional publishing was the only way to go and then here's this other way and this other way was to reach readers directly by using the stores like amazon and blah 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 so we were like yeah this is amazing and you can start an email list so you can reach some people if they sign up for your list. And then I almost feel like what you're talking about is this is the next wave of what we do, I guess, as an indie culture, which is more independence, which is we're actually Mm going to sell direct. We're actually going to get the customer data. And like you said, we can still have our books elsewhere. So it almost feels like a new wave. And I wanted to ask you, are you feeling like things have changed? Like, is there a zeitgeist thing going on? Because I really feel there is an energy that is moving towards this in the same way that there was a sort of pro-indie energy back in the sort of 2010s. Are you feeling that more and more people are coming to you? Yes. Yes, that is the thing that I'm more excited about. And that is why I'm even teaching and pushing into this because I'm looking at it. When I started in 2018, I forced two of the author friends that I've had throughout that time to say, hey, trust me, we can build this. And they both reached seven figure the next year. And they both had the success that I've had. And what I took from that 
what I took from that was that, hey, if I could teach one or two authors and I've seen how it helped them, maybe I can teach more. And throughout that time, it seemed like almost no one wanted to listen. But mm-hmm. I watched 2020, you know, mid 2021. And I think I spoke at 20 books towards the end of that year um, to last year, seeing how many people are in my groups, how many people are talking about it in, in different groups and to, to seeing how many sessions it had in like 20 books conference, which is the only author conference that I've been in. It's amazing because a lot of people are realizing like, hey, I need to have control of my business. I need to have a business that is going to have longevity if I'm looking at this full-time author kind of angle and uh, and just growth and scale. So now they're accepting the fact that they need to have their data. They can get more return when it comes to money. When it comes to royalty, you don't necessarily have to share 55% with Amazon. There can be, it's, I feel like it is that where we're starting to take our power back. Mm-hmm. And I love that more and more people, I'm talking to new people on a consistent basis. And actually Steve Piper, which I recognized in 2018, when I was only selling on SamCard and testing um, testing Shopify. And I remember him having the ad of like, I fired the, the richest man on earth, I think it was. And now to see him back now getting into the space and teaching and Morgana Best teaching, mm-hmm. what I've been great about it is that I don't want to be the only teacher. I know I've done it at scale to where we've done seven or close to $8 million. But my goal is like to tell authors, look, once we rely on one system that have we do not have as much control, it puts us in a position where one bad thing can really hurt us. And funny enough is that, interestingly enough, not funny enough, but is that Amazon, there have been numerous authors now who are getting finding issues with their titles being pulled or getting suspended different places. And, and lastly, to even add this is that authors are having, now they have a better opportunity to run better ads. And what I mean by that is that I think there's starting to be new ways for you to run Facebook, Pinterest, Instagram ads, where you do send them to Amazon and you kind of track them on the back end of Amazon. I'm not too much involved in Amazon to say I know exactly what the new tech is. But what was important for me to switch into this system is that every time I spend $100, I could see what it did and I could track better and make better decision with that and so forth. This was extremely important to me and should be extremely important to authors because now I could systemize everything that I'm doing and find a way to scale. But mm. to, to, to shorten, I guess, uh, short answer after a long explanation is that Yes, a lot of people are moving towards it and seeing so many conversations. I am excited because I, I think authors, we should look at this like a business. And if we get over the hump of that, it's a business and we could be put ourselves in better position because I love interacting with my supporters. I love creating for them. I love knowing my audience base a bit better. So, so yes. Yeah, 
No, I'm glad you're excited. I am too. And but it's interesting because Morgana and you and Steve, you're all really different people. <laughs> super, super different people yes. in, in really different niches. And I've talked to all of you now, which is great. This is why I really wanted to talk to you. And yeah, I I mean everyone's got some ebooks and some courses and they're all brilliant. Like I'm doing all of them and it's so interesting to me. Now we're not going to get into technicalities of Shopify because that's just pointless on really on a podcast, but you have mentioned ads. And I think this is interesting. I mean, you talk there, essentially, you can optimize for conversions because you know what people are buying rather than Mm -hmm. just optimize for clicks. But this is the question that people always send to me, which is, okay, so I set up my Shopify store, but how do I market to that store? So is it just a case of, well, pretty much everything except Amazon ads, you can just direct to your store? Or what are the best ways to market your store? Facebook ads. So what's interesting, not interesting, I keep saying that, but the <laughs> thing that you mentioned about Steve and us being different, we are different, but I think we're bringing different pieces to the author world, per se, or the indie culture. Because mm-hmm. I had a conversation with Morgana not too long ago, and I mentioned to her, anytime I have someone that is on a basic level and is a fiction author and wants to do something like Book Vault and POD and so forth, I point them to her because when it comes to me, I'm looking more at um, you're looking to have fulfillment totally differently or you're looking to scale. And my main focus is Facebook ads because I've spent over four or five million dollars on the platform myself and I've ran a marketing agency and I still have one where now we help authors and Morgana you know kind of our conversation was like okay now I have resources when it comes to ads so I'm trying. I've never spoken to Steve, but my goal is not to come here uh, in the industry and be competitive. I, mm. you know, I mm. the one thing I've said to people is that I sell enough books. The high that I'm getting and the fun of it is seeing how it works in someone else's business, how, you know, the the different curves. So I'm teaching a bunch of fiction authors now, and it's totally different because I'm used to self-help and poetry, and we're helping those. It's like now it's a new challenge, and I think it helps the indie culture. But when it comes to the best way to market, I'm always going to say Facebook ads, despite their ups and downs. I've been running ads since 2015, 2004, early, I mean, late 2014. So I've seen the platform change from power editor to, to I've seen how much smarter it has gotten and, and seeing how well it works. I'm always going to recommend it because even now we're using like an Instagram shop. And the way after Facebook taking a hit with iOS 14, the way that it it integrates so well and it feeds so well within each other is so seamless that it's the best thing I've seen. Um, You know, I tried Pinterest. I've run thousands of dollars on ads on Pinterest. I've tried Amazon ads. Like I love Brian Cohen and, and we're seeing that. My Facebook ads are feeding the Amazons. When it comes to the traffic that I'm getting, most of our Amazon traffic is actually coming from our Facebook ad. So we're, the only thing we do is just set up retargeting ads per se. And so when I look at ads as a whole, once you understand the system, it's beautiful, but it has to be where you optimize your store properly to see the success and why it's the best tool out there. But Facebook, hands down, 
And it's the thing that I'm passionate about because part of me even teaching about direct sales because I love teaching about Facebook ads, but I need to tell people, hey, you need to fix your shop first and everything (laughs) else. So now we can talk about Facebook ads. Yeah, well, and that's so, I mean, I basically, I've got a whole list, like, because I, last year, I did my minimum viable store, because I have a big backlist, and I have a lot of formats. And it took me ages to set my store up because I had so many books. And then I was like, oh, my goodness. And I look at your store and Steve's and Morgana's, I'm like, every single one of those products needs more on there. Like you have all this social proof and you even just a hand holding a physical book, like even just that type of thing. So what you said there, optimize your store before you run ads. I mean, that's the same on any platform, right? It feels like the obsession with marketing comes before sorting out the book. <laughs> That's just It's just common kind of everywhere. But I did actually have a couple of questions for my own purposes. And I think this will help other people. So basically, I have different author names. I have Joanna Penn, my self-help for authors brand, and JF Penn is my fiction. And I was just, I didn't want to set up more than one store because I thought, oh, well, I want to send everyone to one store. So I set up creativepenbooks.com. But now in listening to your stuff and everyone else's, I wonder if I made the right choice. So what's your advice to authors around stores per author brand or genre? For you, I would recommend that you separate the two. Mm. Um, simply because the two different audiences, your readers are coming there to read, they're interested in, in the stories that you're telling, etc. Putting something like self-help for authors, yes, you may get authors that are readers, but putting something for indie authors there is kind of serve as a distraction or just laying the website with extra. Um, what I'm big on is staying on brand, and not only that is good for the shop, but it also helps your advertising, especially. With Facebook ads with a pixel and now the shop and everything else, Facebook is leaning a lot on AI and really the AI is kind of honing down to what is consistent in your ad account, what is consistent on your Shopify and collecting all that data and finding the best way to find you um, readers. Now, if you are an author who has right in different fiction genres, you could easily categorize some of those because what is the reader can cross over when it comes to being, let's say, in the same the same type of reading, not necessarily genre. But what I mean by that is that someone who's reading, let's say, romance fiction, you may think they're not interested in thrillers, but but they're readers. They're like novels, so they can switch over. So kind of one of the big things that I teach about is that you have to find out on the back end using emails and uh, utilizing your customer data how to make the crossover. So your shop, if you have multiple genre, as long as, let's say, stay under the umbrella of fiction, it's perfectly fine. But it's when you cross from nonfiction to fiction that, but let's say you have nonfiction for divorce or nonfiction to helping elderly, I don't know mm. how this just random, those are opposites in. But when it comes to people reading stories, there it can be on the same page. Um, something to add even after saying that is that part of what I'm seeing myself entering the landscape of this indie culture and teaching, I'm big on trying to teach people how to optimize your store and run better ads. Here's why the store optimization is important. If you've gotten my book and you realize, I don't know if you did, but there is a free course that comes with that. Mm. Um, 
in the free course, I teach about competing on economics. The purpose of competing on economics is that ads are, when you start running ads to your shop, it can look like it's difficult to be profitable unless you do all of the things that you need on your web, on your shop and doing everything that you need on the back end, like your email, utilizing that data, it becomes hard to be profitable. So now if you don't, don't give your ads the best chance to optimize and very niche, because as, as it's collecting data, I realize like, hey, I'm, you're big on selling romance items, then you're actually hurting yourself. Yeah, I ha- I think I wanted to build the store and then, and I, I talked to Morgana and she had also said something similar, but I just decided what I was going to do was this. And then, <laughs> and then like, I, I do have your, I, I got the ebook, the free course and also the other course and people listening will probably be thinking, oh my goodness, this is so much work. It is a lot of work, isn't it? To get it set up and to understand it, but equally when I started online, I had to learn how to do certain things. Or when I focused in a different way, I had to learn certain things. And I feel very optimistic about learning all of this because I can see, like you mentioned longevity, I can see that this has a future potential where I won't have to work as hard. But if I can figure it out, then it's more than just cash flow money. It's more like an investment in building my future business rather than just always running, running, running content, content, content. So uh, can you comment on too much work versus hope? (laughs) Yes. So um, kind of the job. So I did not even realize, and this is to tell you, once you invest and you build it, then it, it could run itself. I did not even realize that Shopify was actually something that people will run into problems with. Because when I first started creating this, I wrote the book and started teaching like the mindset, because it is going to be a mindset shift for authors to understand. Now I'm building a book business and business. I have product. I need cash flows. I I, I have to, to market. I have to look at it differently than throwing it on Amazon and then hoping something happened or running my Amazon ads, but not really seeing all of the back ends or uh, the constant flow of things. But the other part when it comes to that was that once you start, well, just the why I got into creating Shopify, it wasn't until I'm teaching in the group and everyone's getting the ads and everyone got, you know, received the book. They're like, but we're stuck on Shopify. <laughs> and uh, then I'm like, well, no, you just upload the product and you do this or do that. But I realized it's because my shop was built and set up in mid-2019. And since then, I haven't touched it. It wasn't until I started trying to teach Shopify, um, my Shopify course, that I'm like, oh, my God, I have to go back and walk step by step. And so what I'm working on right now is making sure where I narrow down simple to a theme, to what is needed, what are the structures, and creating checklists. So it's trying to make it easier for others. now. So those who are going to film overwhelm and going to, to see it's a lot of work, it can be a lot of work for an author who, who has a huge backlist. But I, I, part of all you need is that you need your main titles there. You need your shop to be as convenient as possible when it comes to the transaction. And once you have that, your store can be a work in progress because advertising, I don't advise that you 
advertise to your shop. I don't advertise to Pierre Genty. I focus on advertising one title, my main title. And out of that, we, we have a structure to sell everything else. So my most successful book is her, but I have 13 books um, or probably more than 13. I'm not even counting anymore. So what I do is I run ads to her because it's the most convenient, cheapest, most consistent. And once you go to her, obviously, I give upsells, cross-sales, then post-purchase upsells, which are selling the other books and other items. Then in emails, we have flow set up, automated flows, where are selling the other product. So once you have one book and you have everything, at least everything set up for that book, now it's a process of taking your time to say, hey, what is the next series I want to put in there? What is and 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 by then you simplify the process to where okay I upload the book covers this way, um the description I transfer them over this way etc. So it does not have to be where a lot of people fail is when they try to have everything done all at once or everything done before ads. And my biggest answer to that is always ads are the best way to find out what you need to fix on your shop. Because once you do have the first <laughs> book, the main book, and you start running ads and people are like, I can't find no review or this is taking too long, et cetera. And that's when you start to see, okay, what do I need to do? Or you're not profitable. You're like, okay, I need to sell more than one book. Uh, I need to bundle them up better. So, so yes. Now, in terms of the hope aspect, it, I can tell you me having a simple shop in 2019 and just being able to market the way I want is that we've able to scale to where 2020 was my biggest year where we did 4 million in sales, but it, I did not have everything fixed. The people that I'm teaching are light years ahead of me in terms of their starting point, because I didn't know how to make sure I, my average order value uh, had you know people spent way more money than just the fourteen dollars I sold the books for, so it can be fixed and you can sell and make a lot of money while you're fixing it. No, that's so good. And look, to be honest, I feel hopeful too because I just feel like I can see what I've always wanted with the indie space, like what I wanted as an independent author when I left my job, like more than a decade ago, I don't think the technology was ready, but it feels like we've got everything we need now. We can do fulfillment in all kinds of ways. So that's why I'm excited. So people listening, there's a lot, <laughs> there's so much here oh, that's yes. exciting, but I do have another question before we're almost out of time. So we talked about my two brands, which I will separate, but I also <laughs> have this other random book. Now, because you're, um, you do emotional books. So I have a memoir. It's called Pilgrimage. I just did a Kickstarter for it. So I finished the Kickstarter and it's like a midlife memoir. It is about pilgrimages. I'm not a Christian, which makes it kind of difficult, but it's got religious elements. It is emotional. It's personal. It doesn't fit either of my brands. So <laughs> when I was going through your stuff. I saw that in some cases you were testing like a stand, almost like a one page a landing page yes. store. So I'm wondering, like, I could just build my own store for pilgrimage on its own, right? Oh, yes. So I have a student who's also a client. 
And she has a book where it's about sobriety. And she's like, this is not what I'm about, but it was a book that I wrote. I want, oh, what is the best way to do it? And she's now focused on having it as a standalone where it has its own store. And the whole concept is about sobriety. And she sells it. She's not trying to mix it with her other author business and publishing business, but she just have it as a standalone. Um, when it comes to you marketing anything that falls that you think your readers can cross over, so something like a memoir, some of the fiction readers that you have will read that because it's written by you. Mm. Uh, what I want authors to be clear is that now you're not thinking about author brand niche down as much. It's more of thinking of author brand as how do they identify who I am, what type of writing that I do from the umbrella of nonfiction or fiction? Do I solve problems or tell stories? Once you have a one under the umbrella, then you now get a chance to build real loyal fans because you're dealing with them direct and you could sell anything else. So it's more of a separation between nonfiction and fiction. The other thing, what you mentioned that we do is that we try to have all sorts of traffic go through our Shopify because it helps our ads. So we, we, but we don't sell directly to, to, to product pages in all cases. So I use an app named Zipify where sometimes we create landing pages. Well, on the landing pages is dedicated to one book, it's dedicated to the upsell. That's what I'm doing for one of the poetry books that is more around heartbreaking. It seems to be uh, attracting a divorce, an audience of women that are divorced. Well, it, why... I can, the reason I can do that, although it's slightly different from her, is that by the time they make the purchase and they fall into my email, they're segmented. So I know this is like a heavy or heartbreak audience that this is a type of work they're looking for versus her. It's more empowerment, inspirational. And right now I'm marketing a book named He'll Grow Love. It's more inspiration, has nothing to do with relationship. And that's a, the control you can have once you come to the back end. But I have landing pages where I've used blog posts to sell product. I've used all of those different ways on my Shopify site. So now everything is still happening on Shopify. No, that's great. I think for those people listening who are like me and have sort of a bigger backlist, multiple brands, multiple types of books, it's, you probably just have to stop and think for longer and think of a strategy and think how you want to do it before you yes. jump in. Like that's how I, I feel like I probably should have done more strategy thinking. But also now I know all of you lot and I'm going through the courses, I feel like I'm learning so much. So we're out of time, but tell us about the seven figure book business ebook and the course, who's it suitable for and where can people find it the seven figure book you could get it at sevenfigurebookbusiness.com slash book and even if you just go to sevenfigurebookbusiness.com you'll find it there you'll be able to access the book there um and really the people that i created it for is first is those who are looking to get into direct but not for the purpose of just going direct because of something that's happening is for those who are really serious about building something outside of Amazon and really taking, building what I say, a book business. Because I say that in the book where I'm, it's those trying to come out of the entrepreneur mindset to having a book business where, again, it has longevity and way more to offer in my eyes. And 
kind of the breakdown for those who are interested, let's say, would be interested, is that the book itself showed you my success, but it breaks down the mindset and it simplifies how all of this happened because it's more of like what this is an e-commerce funnel, email funnel, and this is a traffic funnel, which is ads and how all of it work with each other. And it's for anyone really, truly who are interested, who is interested in and going direct, but want to take it seriously. And the book also should encourage you, which is why it comes with a free course, to encourage you to map out these things because I lay out all the details. The courses, it's almost where if you read the book, you could eventually launch yourself. The courses is to walk you through and save you time. Um, but it's it lays out the blueprint for you so now you can go and strategize and see what is the best way to approach this and as i said i highly recommend it and you're a great teacher i really i love your positivity that makes such a difference so thank you so much for your time pierre that was just that was fantastic thank you so much for having me it's an honor and a pleasure and i'm excited to see how yours roll out and how all of this plays out for you So I hope you found the interview with Pierre interesting and also positive and hopeful about the future and that what I really think is the next wave of the indie movement. And I haven't decided on what I'm going to do with my store right now. I'm going to just try and make the best I (laughs) the best I can with what I have and uh, think about landing pages and that kind of thing. You can also go back and listen to Katie Cross, Morgana Best and also Steve Piper. All have been on the show in the last year and a half ish. If you want some other views on selling direct i will also be doing a one-year review of my store in august by which time i will have expected to make some decisions and got to know how to use the technology more there's a lot i need to do before then so next week i'm talking to prolific fantasy author Lindsay baroka who many of you will be missing as the six figure author podcast has been gone a while now and i just i was like i emailed Lind- Lindsay and said hey i think people might be interested in just catching up <laughs> so we have a good catch up with friends so it's a nice conversation and i know you'll enjoy listening in so that's coming next week in the meantime happy writing and i'll see you next time Thanks for listening today. I hope you found it helpful. You might also like the backlist episodes and show notes available at thecreativepen.com forward slash podcast. You can also get your free author blueprint at thecreativepen.com forward slash blueprint. If you'd like to connect, you can tweet me at The Creative Pen or find me on Facebook at The Creative Pen. See you next time.